there was that element of forgiveness that I, I needed to figure out. I needed to figure out quick because there was like a stone in my heart. I could not get positive thoughts towards anybody. And remember, I remember uh, we were we were going we were going to Australia to visit my brother. We put the kids at my mother's house for a week, and the night before getting on the plane, I was googling how do I forgive. Uh, that's what I was googling. I need because I, I needed to for, I needed to forgive, and I, the only reason I needed to forgive is just to remove this anchor that's in my heart, this unnecessary hate. Hello and welcome to Kun, the journey to be. I'm your host, Reem Shaheen, a counseling psychologist and the founder of the Psychology Center. Today, we will continue the talk with Hussein, where he takes us through his path of healing and forgiveness. So we stopped at, you were talking about how to doing the gratitude and that this, this made a huge difference. But there was another thing that you mentioned that I wanted you to explain a little bit more, mm. which had to do with your wife and how supportive she was and in a and i find that it can be very very hard for someone to relate to someone who's depressed so i i always find that also for partners of my clients that it can be hard for them because it it is hard to relate to someone who's depressed and to be in a relationship with someone who's depressed but it seems like your wife has been able to handle it in a way that um, that actually made you feel supported. And I'm really interested in you sharing some of what was going on that made you feel like you were supported, that made you feel like I was not being pressured or pushed, but instead I felt understood or I felt like she understood that you were going through something at the very least. I, she, my, my wife is a very, in, in general, she's a very, she's a very sweet person. It's, it's easy to love her. Very sweet, very kind, very loving, very tender. Very funny as well. Uh, she laughs at my jokes, which is always good and healthy. And she gets them. Uh, we struggled with that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the, the one thing that I can say is there, there was no judgment. There, there, was, I didn't, there, there was nothing that, you know, hinted or, or you know, implied that something needs to change. It was just, it, it was just unconditional love. It was just Habibi Wissam. So there's nothing else. There's not, you know, top, why don't you try this? Or how about we do this? Or maybe, in, it was just, there was nothing. There was just unconditional support. Like you said, there's something that's going on there. Let's give it time. And everything will pass. Everything will pass. I mean, I think that's ultimately the thing that a lot of people don't, I get to, you know, not don't, everybody knows it, but in the spur of a moment, you don't, it'll pass. And I remember there are some times, one of the days uh, we had people over uh, for for dinner at Oshie and I was going through the tough time because work was like, work was shit, right? I mean, it, I mean, it was the, it was the worst period ever mm-hmm. on a number of fronts, financially, and even like the environment at work was hostile. And uh, so every time, and I mean, the, the one thing, the, the way that I explain it is what was going on with me based on my childhood and then the event that happened, you know, socially that affected everything upside down. And there was nothing for me to hold on to. There was no, like, you know, you're swimming in a pool. There was no edge for you to hold. There was nothing to hold on to, um, you know, except my wife, of course, and the relationship that we had and the family. Because she understood that days when I woke up and I was crying in the morning, she'd tell me, do you want me to send one of the kids for you to hug? And usually she'd send the youngest one the one who'd hug for the longest. I mean, she, she understood that. And that was the only ledge that I could hold on to. 
But the work was one of the worst things because there was, there was nothing there. There was no joy. There was no money. There was no passion. There was, there was nothing. So when I'd come back from work and that would be like, because the minute you come back and you know that that's over and that specific day that I was talking about, we had, we had guests over and there was something that I used to cry. I used to like to cry in the corners. I don't know why I, I used to like to put my head in the corner and cry. That was that thing. It's like, you know, it's a punishment thing. But I remember that specific time, and when I went to the corner, she saw me, she held me, she said, listen, not now. And if we, have, we have people coming. Okay, do this later. You know, I understand you need this, but not now. So she was, she was also, uh, she was also on, on par and, and tough when she had to be. Uh, but it wasn't, you know, stop this, or it was, okay, listen, I understand, but not now. But there was a lot of support on there. And the nice thing about it, and I've come to realize this later on, is that it's so healthy a feeling that you are in a safe space. And I think there is, yes. in, in our cultures in general, I think, you know, the West is a bit more advanced as they understand the importance of having a safe space. Uh, and I think we lack that understanding. We lack it. There is no safe space to express yourself, to be yourself, to even just talk about anything or just let the emotions run through you. You're always laughing too loudly, or your voice is too loud, or you know, even at home, you know, it's supposed to be the most safe space you have, the most sacred space. There is no safe space, but she provided that safe space. This is a safe space. Do what you want. I'm here. We can we can hug it out. I'll let you do what you want, but it's a safe space. And the interesting thing is, I don't I don't know if this was. Um, I I think it's based on her inherent goodness. Um, natural goodness that's there. I don't think, I don't know that she read this somewhere or she, or she came across it, but it's the most instinctive and natural thing that comes out of unconditional love. It, it, I mean, unconditional love, that's what is a result of it. You don't want to change the person who's in front of you. You don't want to influence the person. You just want them to be who they are. And this is a safe space. And uh, the one thing that... Think about it in terms of, you don't want to save the person in and, and that's basically what we do in therapy is the therapy room becomes the safe space for the individual to come in and, and be able to open and heal. And, and, and you're right, there's not a lot of safe spaces, but it seems like this is what she did. She was like, this is a space where you can, you can cry. You're not going to feel criticized. You can, you can go through, you can process your experience and there's no judgment. There's no expectation. There's nothing. And that provides that sense of there's no expectation, there's no right and wrong, provides you with, with the room to be able to heal and to mm. be able to process and eventually heal from what you're going through. And that's what is always can be missing, especially in families that are hypercritical. Because that's yes. what your sounds here, if your family sounds like someone, a family yeah, hello. hypercritical. It, there, there was, there, there was yeah, the hypercritique, yes, there was, there was, there was blame. But I mean, um, just what I just wanted to uh, just touch on a few things, just to sort of put put in perspective the the whole arc and and how and how it really went down to that single um, uh, incident, which is the mother slapping her child. That was the one that you know the, the hay that broke the camel's back. But if you want to count all the hays, like I said, there was blame, there was critique, uh, there was the feeling that you're the source of dismay. And this is consistent that's going on on decades. I'm not talking about, you know, it's, this is decades worth of consistent work being drilled yeah. in your brain. There was one incident where my my mother spat uh, on me in public. Um, I, I, she's probably going through her own stuff again, but there was there was that specific one. 
I was doubted and questioned on every single decision I have made in my life. What university I wanted to go to, what I wanted to study as a major, who I wanted to marry, all the, the couple of girls before my wife and my wife, the wedding, the honeymoon. So everything was questioned and doubted and interrogated. There was, I mean, until now, whenever I need to take any decision, I need to call at least half a dozen people and let them know that this is what I'm doing, looking for some sort of reassurances, because that was consistently there. I was uh, constantly compared uh, to everybody around me. Um, I was compared to my to people that my mother vocally hate. She vocally hated a few individuals, and she'd say, "You are just like that person." Mm-hmm. And that that didn't stop until now. You'd still hear this every once in a while. Uh, there was there was loud voice beyond. Like my mother never spoke to me. She shouted only. There was only shouting, and until until today, until today, thirty seven years old. Whenever I hear my name being called, my heart skips a beat. Sc- school was was a blur, but it was in slow motion, if that makes sense. There was that constant feeling of undesirability, uh, un- un- being uninvited, being unwelcome. I'm, I'm, my, my, my cousins during the summers, there was constant bullying. A lot of it was physical, but the most notable one was they'd lock us up in a bathroom and one of them would be hiding in the bathtub behind the um, curtains with a flashlight doing monster sounds. Mm. And, and we witnessed that consistently over the years. There was that constant fear that there's a monster coming to eat us at their own pleasure. For that, that's going on for a very long time, all in the background, being ingrained constantly. But then there was the, the Amsterdam incident. And from what, and again, disclaimer, what I experienced, maybe that didn't happen, but what I saw and what I experienced... At 35, being married with three kids um, was, it was 11 days worth of this, but I remember the very first day we were gathering, there was a whole group of people, there was an introduction going around, everybody standing up and saying their names. The first thing I said, I said, you know, before saying who I am, I want to say that I'm happy to be here with my friends. And nobody knows me, right? There was a group of 60 people, nobody knows me. And then one of them says, oh no, he's not our friend, he thinks he's our friend. That was like, what the... nobody knows me here I don't understand what was that it's not even funny they don't know you they don't know me nobody knows anybody why are you establishing that dynamic and and there was there was a lot I want to go through them but they kept on going on and on and and just if you put the whole thing just together and I don't know if 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 you can see it but if you put it all and just blend it in one big blender there was and, and I used to tell myself things and I remember I used to tell myself things I used to sit down and said you are an intolerable person. You are despicable. Yani this is, and I kept on saying myself, because whenever anything, anything happens, that's a thing that I'll tell myself. And it's all linked. I don't know if you can see it, but I mean, for me, in my mind, it was all linked together. Everything was going on so well. Well, so, so well, so badly, but yeah. they mixed well, but they were going on so badly. It, you, know, you know the thing, the sad thing about what happens to children as they grow up and criticism... And the way criticism is 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 expressed, and I mean, friends bullying is another thing, but criticism and family, and then what leads to it being bullying by friends and etc. Is that all these messages that you're telling the child? What they are translating to is that you are unlovable as a person. That mm. something is fundamentally wrong with you. And that's, there's nothing that would break somebody's spirit and sense of self and sense of being more than being told you're unlovable because 
because then their life becomes about okay so what can i so what can i do and everything that goes wrong they don't really try to understand what is going on automatically what is what what gets triggered is the idea of i'm unlovable what you're saying i'm despicable i'm intolerable like people don't want to be around me so you see how that you ingrain that idea in a child's brain when they're young and it just becomes the way they view themselves for the rest of their Mm -hmm. lives they become you see a lot of young adolescents doing things that are very high risk in order to to please those around them and that comes from no validation a lot of criticism no sense of self no sense of who i am what i can do the world becomes the source of your sense of self rather than your than you building on that the way that uh, the way that it was being translated in my head is that had I been a different person, this wouldn't yeah. have happened to me. Yes. So there's something intrinsically wrong with who I am. Yeah. But mo- but moving forward after the after the gratitude and after the beginning of of the road to healing, there was a number of things that um, that helped. There was a number of things that was you know pro- propelling me forward, and a lot of them were coincidental. There there started to be a mind a, a, a mindset shift, mm. and again it coincidentally it's not something that I knew what I was doing and la la it was just very simply we're sitting down and consciously being grateful for the half dozen or the you know hundred things that I have going on, um, and I and I and I started noticing telling myself in the morning you know what today will be a good day if it's not today it's tomorrow, versus shall I jump today or shall I jump tomorrow like there was there was that thing. And I, the mood started to improve shui shui, the things started to improve shui shui, but there was one thing that was, that was, um, that was a, and this happened before the, the summer of solitude, if you want to call it, uh, th- there was that element of forgiveness that I, I needed to figure out. I needed to figure out quick because there was like a stone in my heart. I could not get positive thoughts towards anybody. Mm. There was always cursing going on whenever, you know, the memory and, and and the memories were like I mean again like I said I get I get uh, triggered easily things come to mind out of nowhere the, the incidents are there they're not gonna change but I needed to forgive to change the feelings towards them so if I remember this thing happening instead of being angry and upset and start cursing and wishing them to die I need to say you know what it happened but and then in my head the only way for that to to you know for that acceptance to happen is for me to forgive. And not forget, because that's not an option for me, at least, but <laughs> it's not even possible. But I needed to forgive. And remember, I remember uh, we, were, we, were going, we were going to Australia to visit my brother. We put the kids at my mother's house for a week. And the night before getting on the plane, I was Googling, how do I forgive? Uh, that's what I was Googling, because I, 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 for, I needed to forgive. And I, the only reason I needed to forgive is just to remove this anchor that's in my heart, this unnecessary hate. Yeah. And it was holding me back. Yes. And I realized that it was holding me back. And it was. And what was interesting, I, n- I never cried in a movie throughout my life. There's, there was never a movie that I ever watched that I cried in. But what was interesting is um, we got on the plane, we were flying to Australia, 14-hour flight. There was a movie after a movie after a movie. And there was a very... It's a movie, it's called Arrivals. I don't know if you've seen it. Spoiler alert if you've not seen the movie. So if you've seen the movie, you can skip this part. If you haven't seen it and you'd like to see it. So the story is... It's a sci-fi movie about aliens who come from outer space and they get a translator who tries to communicate with them. It's got nothing to do with anything. It's not even an emotional, you know, it's just a sci-fi thriller sort of thing. But there was something interesting about that specific film is that throughout the movie, you think there are flashback scenes of the translator's daughter died. Translator's daughter died. And then 
it was done in a very good directorial way that you think that she's remembering her daughter before she interacts with the aliens. But apparently the story comes out to be that through the, interac the interactions of the aliens, they, en they enable you to look into your future. And her daughter dying is not something that happened in the past. It's something that happened in the future. That's the reveal in the end. And the movie ends at the question. And this had me in shambles. I was, I was gone for a good hour of, of the flight. I had to go to the bathroom because I, couldn't, I was inconsolable. And the question was, if you know what will happen in your life beforehand, would you still do it? If you knew that this is what's going to happen, would you take different decisions? And I was beyond repair for, I had, I had to leave and because I knew the answer on the spot and the answer was no, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't change a single thing. You will relive it exactly the way it is. Even if you know that this is going to happen, you'll still do it. And I think, I think, uh, and that was, that was the last time, that was the last time I was, uh, that was the last time I cried for years. I think until the last session we had yesterday, because I had to relive a lot of it, but that was it. That was, that was the last time. It was everything. You, I cried for the little boy who was bullied for, for everything, for every single thing that ever happened to my life. Because I realized in that moment, even though I knew that this was going to happen, if I relived my life, I would have done the exact same thing again. But the realization there wasn't, uh, wasn't how do I avoid things happening. It was how do I avoid these feelings about how things happened. Do you think, you know, how do I avoid these feelings from happening? Or how do I learn to ride those feelings and just let them go? Because they're feelings. Well, I, I don't know if I, 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 I explained this clearly, but in my head, I thought that the, the problem that I was facing, it was not because of the events that happened, but it was because of how, how you felt. I felt towards the events that happened. And, and you, I mean, you, you meet a lot of people, a lot of resilient people as well, who... Who bounced back? No, I mean, no, nobody's life is empty of any problems or oh, challenges no. or... But people, know, some people know how to deal with it and some people just don't. And, and but the, my the, problem was the that... The is that in the upbringing, either you, you teach the child how to manage their feelings and you teach the child that, that having negative feelings is okay. We, mm. we are being raised in a, in a way that makes it sound like you being in pain is something that's wrong. That's that's fundamentally wrong. But then pain is is a sign of something wrong going on. But pain can also be a sign of a good thing. There's growth yeah. pain. There's development pain. There's yes, yes, yes. There's there's a, there's a lot of not every pain is bad pain. Yeah. I tell that to myself yeah. at the gym all the time. Not every pain is bad pain. This whole thing, this whole thing came, you know, they, more or less they came along the same time. There was the forgiveness incident where I realized that, okay, khalas, this happened. Um, I don't think I have to look at it as it has happened to me. It has happened and I was there. That was the way that I, that I started to make sense of it. Mm -hmm. And now the work isn't for me to go around and point fingers and blame. It was about, okay, there's something inside that needs to develop mm -hmm. that would enable you to handle it the, the one thing i want to say is that i saw this in a gold cast video and maybe and, and I, I i witnessed it personally maybe a lot of people don't make sense of it but as a as a human being you are one system you are one system there is no segregation between you physically mentally spiritually emotionally and you are one system and they are all 
interrelated. And the Goldcast video says, if you change one thing in your life, everything will change. Take one thing, fix one thing, and it, it is all interrelated. You can't start going to the gym or walking for 20 minutes every day. That will not improve your sleep. That will not improve your mood. That will not improve your mindset. It is, it is all related. And all these, you know, new age, the secret, you know, mindfulness elements, yoga stuff that you read throughout and these successful people who come out, you know, Will Smith, and they tell you about the power within and the positive influence and, you know, all this stuff. But it, it's right. If, if you fix one thing and you work on one thing, opportunities present themselves. And it's like they, te- they tell you and it doesn't make sense, but I, I saw it happening and I still don't believe it. I still struggle with this every day, but I, st- I, I experience it happening that, you know, the universe conspires in your favor. It does. And a lot of things happen on the spot that don't make any sense. But later on, you look back and say, hold on, this, this is, it happened for a reason. It didn't just happen, you know, there's no out of nothing. One of the things that the therapist I saw mentioned, she said, learn to laugh again, right? She said, get back to watching stand-up comedies, and which I think was, you know, or, or comedians or whatever. Yes. The, the one thing that happened, which was also coincidental, but within the same uh, time timeline and time frame, I came across a stand-up comedy workshop that was happening. And I thought, you know, a group of strangers getting together once a week to say jokes, you know, how much worse could it be? But the ultimate objective of it is talking about your deepest, darkest secrets publicly on stage in front of people with the objective of you and them laughing. And that for me was a very cathartic, uh, therapeutic experience. I've done stand-up comedy for, um, well, 2016 until today. But this was this was one of the, the mo- I mean, I, I, you, you realize the whole uh, element of art and the importance of art, whether you draw or you sing or you dance or you perform or you act of, of, of expression in general to to channel your emotions in in whatever 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 mean yeah yeah stand-up comedy starts from frustrations right they come and they say what are your frustrations this is where you do in the workshops and all all art all forms of art starts from there nobody comes like every single artistic expression comes from anger comes from frustration comes from an expression of a, of a deep emotion. It can be happiness, but it's, there's a deep emotion going on that you need to express in one way or another. So um, that, that was going on. At the same time, I also... Um, uh, I came across a writing workshop. So I started taking part in triathlons, but it was the, the small part of the triathlon. It was the, you know, five, five, two kilometers, not the you know, 30, 30, 40, but I'd, I'd, I'd completed, I did four in a month, for, 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 all, for, for all these came together, right? Everything, everything, uh, that again, it was one thing that was a good thing that happened and or one thing that I put an effort uh, subconsciously and, you know, unintentionally on approving and it just, everything came in automatically. Opportunities came uh, came to itself. And that was when Mishbishib Ship started. The, pod- the parenting podcast started because throughout that, the one questions, well, the several questions that were asked to myself is that, why why didn't I have uh, the emotional support that I needed to handle these situations in my life? What is it that I need to do to be a better parent to my kids for them not to go through what I went? Because I was still raising my kids um, impulsively and my eldest, yeah, she took she took the most uh, burden on that because the 
the, the consciousness and the awareness came a bit before that. But in her youth, I was, I was shouting at her. I was blaming her. I was pointing out her faults instead of pointing out her, you know, uh, her strengths. Um, and I wanted to change that because I didn't want that whole dynamic. And, and to be clear, I'm, I'm still not there yet. My voice is still loud more often than not. But I always tell myself my kids laugh with me more than they cry from me. And I do um, uh, repair every time there's a tantrum from my end. At the end of the night, it's an, I'm sorry, I'm feeling bad. It's not your fault. If I'm, I'm not saying that I'm the best father there is, but I'm at least I'm aware of, of what I'm doing. You just need to be good enough. Yes. But, 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 but these are the questions that I had. I had, what, how can I be a better parent? How can I, uh, why, why did my parents parent me that way? What, what is it? Can I build on them? I need to understand it, not because it was wrong, but how can I, you know, how can I make it better? So we were not being judgmental. And Luna's a friend I've had since university, and we were still in touch, and she was very much into parenting. A lot of her Facebook posts were all parenting related. And she was going through wanting to start a blog in, in English. Long story short, we eventually came to the agreement of doing a parenting podcast because it was the easiest medium. It's easier than writing. You just said, open the mic and talk. Thought when, when I came across your podcast, and um, I mean, I thought the name was amazing. As my first, the first thing I said, I think I was talking to, um, to a friend of mine, and I'm like, I love the fact that he calls it Mishbashibshib, which in literal translated is, is literally translated is without the slippers. And yeah. what's amazing is that it seems like using the slippers to beat your kid is not an Egyptian thing. It's an Arab thing. It's, yeah, it's actually, you know what, it's, it's, um, it's an Eastern thing. I think just to say an Arab thing, because I know as well in, um, uh, the, uh, in Latin America, Mexico, and they, they also have the, 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 the Spanish word for slipper. And if you see their, their content, they joke about this a lot. And I think it's also important to note that when you uh, grow up in a toxic environment, you don't have the mechanisms to understand that what happens to you is a result of the people who are doing it and not because of your being. It's not because of you, it's because of them. And the other thing and the more important thing, and this was one of the questions that actually led to Mishmashibshib, was how can I be enough? How can I genuinely get my own personal source of reassurances from myself? Which is, I think, a task that, I mean, everybody, I don't think you'll ever find anybody who's 100% at peace with that. You know, I mean, you'll find people, but it's, it's, it's one of the biggest challenges today. You are enough. I don't need anybody. But it, and it's something that I, I, I struggle with until today extensively with removing my own personal sense of self-worth from people's hands and moving it onto my hands. I still struggle with it today. There are, I mean, I, I shared with you before recording last time the issue that's going on with um, certain individuals. And it all comes down to the fact that I need to feel that I'm appreciated or loved or respected. And I know it in my head. I know the literature is all there, right? The words and the quotes and the whatever you want to call it is in your head. But when it comes to actual application, it's there. there is pain. You always find yourself putting yourself again in these situations. And you know that they're destructive. You know that they're not helpful, you know. But you just, you just I don't know. It's, 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 it's the easiest thing to say and the hardest thing to do. A lot of what we say in psychology, it's the easiest things to do and then it's the hardest things to do at the, at the same time. But the thing is, when it comes to feeling enough or thinking that you're enough, it, the idea is, not, is, is basically getting to a point where 
and and that's not where you think that there is nothing that I could do more or less in order to be more or less lovable. I am lovable. The idea of being unlovable, you, you, I'm enough. I deserve, I deserve good things to happen to me because I'm enough and there's nothing. I don't need to lose a little bit more. I don't need to look prettier. I don't need to look younger. I don't need to work harder. I don't need to be making more money. I don't need the, all of these things that are constantly bombarding us of, uh, and, and this idea that we become that based on it, we create, we create that person that you're constantly running after. And that's a version of the better you. Once you eliminate the ideal, but better you, and you just start thinking that you, in and of yourself, are enough, and and it just stops being about being loved, and it starts or seeking love from the outside, and it starts being about more of I love myself enough to want to push myself in order for me to thrive. But it's so hard. It, it is. It it is, and I think decades worth of decades worth of a message where what will people say and your own self-worth is with everybody else and like i said i still struggle with this until today um time and again i find myself falling down the the, the path of looking for reassurances from around and and the, the the sad thing is a lot of people um within our societies don't have access to therapists or don't have access to you know language as well and and I wanted to do this in Arabic, <laughs> if you recall. We don't have the, 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 the language. We don't have the actual basic language of processing all these ideas and thoughts outside the... This is the language that we are exposed to. And the other ones that we are just sharing in English, it's, not, it's, it's there in Arabic, but not as easily accessible. And again, just uh, just going back because uh, I want to talk as well that, I, that it's not the end because I'm spiraling again now. I'm going through the spiral and, and COVID, COVID shows uh, COVID, what the reason was COVID. But since we started, we've never been below top five under parenting and kids in Apple podcast. We've always been a top show. We have 15,000 listens an episode. We make about 45,000 listens a month on our content. And it, it was, and we had, you know, surprising engagement from audiences on email and on dms instagram a lot of people are telling us thank you you are uh, you know we are not alone in this these emotions and thoughts and you know the the, the ideas we have towards our kids and we're all a part of that and that, that was the biggest indication that more or less and everybody goes through the same questions the same thought process and it's important for it to be in arabic because we need to give people the vocabulary to know that it's okay, we're all in this together, there is a way to deal with that. And Mishmashibshib wasn't, um, it, it, well, it, predominantly it was a teaching podcast, but it was a self-teaching podcast. Mm. It was something that I was doing for myself. I, I, I realized I became a, a better parent. Now when my son cries, I can hug it, let him hug it out for a good half an hour. I don't use um, moments of extreme emotions on either of our behalfs as a teaching moment. The teaching moment comes when we are both calm, not when he's crying and he says, I hate you. And I say, because he's going through emotions. We need to wait for these to surpass and then we'll teach. And, and it's interesting to say that, you know, the movie uh, Zorro, I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, Anthony Hopkins tell, you know, he tells Zorro, he says, when the student is ready, the master will appear. And that always resonated in my head that when you are ready, when you want answers, when you need, when you reach to a point of ultimate despair and you need to learn 
how to deal with it, something will always come. I knew that therapy was one of the easiest things, but financially, I personally couldn't afford it, given as well that I had four kids. But, you know, opportunities will present themselves. I've always believed, obviously, I'm a therapist. That's that's the route I chose, and I've always believed in it. And, I mean, my own healing happens through therapy because, I mean, we've all been through stuff. However, I've always believed that this is not the only way. It's a way. Yes. And just building on what I said before that, you know, when you have the right, well, when you get to the right mindset, I don't say have because it's not, it's, it's not something that you, when you get to it through whatever circumstance you decide to choose or whatever path you decide to choose, whether it's intentional or not intentional, which is a long, murky, muddy, ugly process. It's not an easy thing that, hey, you know what, say Alhamdulillah every day and you'll be fine. Why don't you read the page? It's a mountain that you have to climb. Yes. But, um, but the universe does present to you opportunities and help. And I'll, I'll, I'll mention one, and this was one of the things that really, really helped me specifically in the past year. And it happened coincidentally. I was, uh, I was in the literature festival in February 2020. And again, you know, like, how did this present itself? Maybe the, maybe the mindset was so positive. Maybe there was this uh, need and desire from within me to get to a better place and you know, it wasn't that I'm going to accept it, I'm not loved, I'm hated, I'm despised, deal with it the rest of life. There is something that I need to change within me for me to be able to deal with the situation differently. But, but there's a difference here with them because then it becomes a little bit detached when you say you shouldn't be... I, there, there's these trends and you see a lot of people who go around and they're like, nothing phases me, I don't get affected. Nobody doesn't get affected, we all get affected, we're, we're human, there's an introduction. Yes. But, but there, a, there's a difference between saying I'm going to be sad about this for 20 minutes and try to figure it out versus I'm going to let this control the rest of the week. No, no. I'll tell you what the difference is. The difference mm. is that you having, I'm, I'm sad or I am stressed or I am frustrated that I am having financial problems. And that's one thing to look at it. That's, that's, that's the way to look at it. And then there's another thing is I am struggling financially, hence that means that I'm a failure, I'm not a good father, I'm not a good person, I don't know how to, mm. uh, all of my decisions are, that it's spiralless, that the situation that you're in becomes an indication or a, a, a source that tells you who you are as a person. And mm. there's a huge difference there. Who you are okay. is not what happens to you, is not your thoughts, and it's not how you feel. So yeah. just because I'm sad that I don't have enough enough money these days doesn't make me um, a failure. So, but the, yes. the thing is that they're always interconnected. They, yeah. This and that's the core of what people need to what people in in therapy always are encouraged to look at. What do those incidences lead you to think about yourself? And once you mm. disconnect those two, then it becomes it becomes a lot healthier for the individual. Because not every situation that you're going to be put in and not every struggle, and life is about struggle. We are on this planet to struggle. Yes. So yes. not every struggle is an indication of who you are as a person. Yeah. It, and I think it, it really helps Eastern cultures is the spirituality. And, mm. and that's different than religion. Spirituality in general is a very strong... And it's very yes. important because, because that's, that's your connection to the higher power. Whatever that power is that you believe it is and whatever your religion is, 
it is that connection with the universe, what's bigger, what, what is bigger than all of us and what's bigger than our experience. And mm. individually, we constantly need to have that connection. So using whether, and, and religion can provide a lot of guidance as to how to do that. And then yeah. there's, there's, if you choose not, the, the non-religious route, there's always, there's always a route, but it's important to, to identify the importance of spirituality but anyways, the, the one thing I want to get to, and just so we can, I, I was saying about, about how the universe conspires in your favor. So it was in February, uh, Jan- January 2020, and I was in the literature festival, I was leaving. I was, I was, I was on my way out, I, I, I met a friend uh, on the way out, I was walking to the car, and she said, I bought this book for my son, you should get it for your daughter, it's a very good book. So I went back to the bookstore to buy it. And I saw someone who, you know, we, we were friends on Facebook, barely had the conversation, but we, we had a few discussions on Facebook and it was coincidental that we just met. And I said, hey, listen, you remember we had that discussion, let's have it face to face. And we were having that. But she said I had to go because she was moderating an, a, an event. On, on her way out, she met another person whom she interviewed once on a radio show that she had. And all it was just one second. She said, she said I'm sorry, I have to leave. And she left. And I was there with that person. Her name is Anissa Sharif. And she's the, the owner of an Instagram account called Tenshia. And she works uh, on something called Hand in Hand Parenting. And on there I said, hold on, you mentioned parenting. I have a parenting podcast. And it kicked off a conversation and it kicked off um, a relationship that was one of, one of the things that was coincidentally presented before me that enabled me to deal with a lot of the stuff that came later on, specifically on my spiral in, in you know, with, with, with COVID. And it was one of the mechanisms because, uh, because we, we got her onto our show, she did an interview, and then there was um, a hand-in-hand training um, parenting specifically catered to fathers. She works mostly with mothers. Um, it was a one-hour session that's supposed to be face-to-face. COVID hit. We did it through Zoom. There was a number of fathers over there. They talked about, you know, uh, and the whole, the whole, the whole pretense of that uh, hand-in-hand parenting lies around the element of um, listening. How can you listen to be a better father? Understanding that emotions need to be expressed through talking, and not everything your child says ultimately needs a reaction from you. This is uh, th- there's crying is a release of emotion. Talking is a release of ideas. The ideas need to get out one way or another for us to formulate them. After that, we formed a weekly fatherhood support group. So every Saturday for one hour through Zoom, a group of men get together and each is given 10 minutes to talk about anything they want. In a safe space, you can, you can just bash it all out. You start on a good note mentioning the good things that happened last week and you end on a good note mentioning the things that you're grateful for. But for 10 minutes, you have the ability to talk about anything in a very safe environment. And I, I, I ultimately realized how important that is. Because if I want to talk about an idea that I have about my wife, if I talk to her, if my mother, she'll tell me, I told you not to marry her. If I talk to her, my brother, he's going to take my side. If I talk to a friend, he'll compare his wife to mine. There is no environment you have where you can just talk about something that happened just to process, just to understand. Just, just to process it. I mean, that was a mind-blowing uh, realization and a very beneficial process. Because when COVID came, I, I, I lost my main source of income, but I did have a number of other things that were predominantly my hobbies 
um, pre-COVID. Suddenly, they were the things that I was depending on for income. And um, like I said, like opportunities presented itself. One thing led to another, led to a third thing. They're all very, very, very small. I find myself personally fulfilled, but ultimately your demons never go away. You're always struggling with that thought that you are a failure. You are going to be a poor, miserable, lonely man all your life. You're going to hate your kids. They're going to hate you. These ideas never go away. And I struggle with them daily. And again, it, it was linked. Uh, it was linked because food was my addiction. And I went, I gained all the weight that I lost throughout the years. I was, I was 122 when I started with my weight loss journey during the time when I started my, you know, my self-help inspired journey. I lost all my weight. I was down below 100, but suddenly food came back in. My sleep pattern was a mess. My income was, you know, more or less non-existent. We were hand to mouth, as they say. I am in a, in a, in a better place mentally than I was before. Um, suicidal thoughts are, you know, very, very, very rare. And they're just like a sort of a half a kid that comes and goes. But then you start realizing that if, if I didn't go through what I went through in 2016 and 2017, and this came knocking on my door, or I didn't knocking, it came barging in without knocking, which was COVID, I'm, I'm, it probably would have been the end. It was, it was, it was probably the end. I'm probably in, there's a now somewhere, <laughs> you know, in the newspaper with my name on it and obituary. You know, uh, when you talk about the demons and mental illness is, is, is somewhat, it's like a little bit of a demon, a demon and, and, and maybe it's true. But then the thing is that it, there used to be a time where you look, or, or at least in the journey, you used to look at it that, that it's, it, it's scary. Oh my God, the monster is back. The monster is coming mm. back, and that, and and I feel like as you, as you go through your journey of healing and and growth and development, what happens is not not that the demon doesn't come anymore, but it doesn't scare you anymore. So you look at it and you know how to manage it and you know how to talk to it rather than yeah. being scared of it and letting it eat you. I think ultimately, because um, I know you have to go, but. Um... The one thing that that the one thing that I can say at the end of of all this, it's yeah, it's it's a journey. It's it's never ending. It's never. Um, yes. It is never ending. I think the the one thing that I I can confidently say and advocate for is, and I and I find myself telling this to my daughters and to my sons and my wife and whatever, is that let the source of everything you do be a positive thought, and the easiest the easiest one is gratitude. If you find yourself counting your blessings. You are coming from a place of being satisfied with what you have now, which enable, which puts you in a mindset of expecting better things to happen. Well, um, and it's easy to say. It's easy to say, and it, it's it's somewhat easier to apply because all that it takes is just to sit down on your butt for a couple of minutes every day and write write down a list of ten things that you're happy that you have. Um, and the other thing as well is that I think everybody, everybody, I mean, that's a universal language that everybody's falling short of. And even culturally, we don't have it. But is, is that everybody in front, in front of you is going through something. Yeah. And the only thing that we need to do is, I mean, okay, I understand that kindness is very hard to apply for, for many people. But I think neutrality could be a very uh, easy approach. And I think there's no need to be destructive and hurtful and harmful and... Just to say nothing. I and genuinely, if, if you just just say nothing, somebody's doing something you don't like, let him be. You know, even in the Quran, it says if people talk about something you don't like, leave. 
and, and that's the most neutral thing you can do um, because you never know what you tell someone or do to someone in a moment of ultimate despair and how that will affect not only their lives but the lives of the people around them um, I was a terrible father during you know 2017 2015 2016 when these inc incidents happened I was I was it was whatever I went through was making me a very bad father a very it, it, oh, there was a lot of things going on and I can't blame whatever happened on whoever did whatever they did but the question that can be presented is had they just been neutral I'm not saying had they been kind had they been neutral would have I would have I spiraled as bad as I did then for this is just something that I always take it upon myself is that don't be don't be mean just let people alone خلاص you know I don't know if this is as well as I wanted it to sound <laughs> it sounded much better in my head <laughs> no, but, but, but I think it's it's important to just remind ourselves that we need to we're we need to be a little bit more compassionate towards each other. Uh, actually, a lot. That's why I promote I promote neutrality because I understand that and, compassion and, and empathy is different. Hearts and maybe neutrality, yeah. but uh, but also another thing that I that I wanted to to, to comment on is that positivity and and not because. I mean, gratitude. This is this is research that shows that if you spend a couple of minutes a day just reminding yourself of your of of things that you're grateful of in your life, it really helps your mental health. It, it, it improves your uh, you physically. It improves a lot of things. So that's that's research that you could Google. But the other part is that, and this is what the world is seeing as we move towards more voices asking for that kindness that um, compassion for um, for 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 our space to be safer for us to be who we are there's there's a trend that goes into we need to always be positive and that's toxic and um mm. sometimes i and i say that to my clients sometimes and they're like oh and i'm so worried and i'm going to be depressed again and i'm going through well you're going through a difficult time if you're feeling depressed, just be depressed. It's not going mm. to last. But forcing mm. yourself to be positive all the time, that again, it's, a, it's in a way dismissing what you're going through, dismissing and, your own experience. And there's something else as well, building on that uh, and concluding, I think, because you have to go. If, if Again, if you are coming from uh, a good place, if the basket that you use you know, to, to navigate through life is a good place, that positivity will be a good thing. But if you're coming from a bad place, and I'm sure, I mean, I've experienced a few examples, you can give many, where even the positivity is coming from a bad place, you know, the, 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 the element of toxic positivity. Yeah. It's something that we've all been exposed to. Oh, no, my father died. Ahmed Rabbak, you know, at least you have a father growing up. Some people don't. He's using the positive words in a negative sense. He's coming from a bad place. He's coming from a negative place. I don't, I don't want to say that it's coming from a bad place or a negative place. It comes from a place of a discomfort with mm. uh with pain and with negative emotions we, we need to do this again in arabic we need to do this again definitely <laughs> maybe, maybe, the next time, maybe the next time i'll have more courage to do it in arabic in conclusion what well thank you for being so open and i really oh, appreciate welcome. that um obviously i did not expect that you would be um opening up that but i love that because this this can be so inspiring and this is what we're looking for for people to say that's my pain. That's what I went through. That's how I handled it. And that's how I'm still struggling. Personally, and ever since I, I was in grad school, I've always believed it's not 
it's not the sick people who end up in therapy it's the brave ones because mm -hmm. the the amount and whether you end up in 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 western therapy or you do something for yourself the the amount of courage it takes to look at your own pain and to look at your own experience and and to grow from there and to learn to forgive others and to forgive yourself that's not that's not an easy thing to do and hence mm -hmm. all all of what the rest of the world is doing is by trying to avoid it the other thing that i and i wanted to add this the other thing about that i love about what your journey and i wanted to bring in is that therapy is not the only way yeah, therapy okay. is one way it yes. is not the only way yeah and that people need to be need to really engage in finding what it, what would be their their the, the best resource that would help them heal okay very good thank you thank you for this i enjoyed it very much thanks a lot anytime have have a nice day you too all the best hala yalla thanks a lot for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode if you would like to reach out with questions or comments my contact details are mentioned in the description join me next week with a new interview a new guest and a new journey to be